This is episode 225 of Alohomora for July 22nd, 2017. Hello, listeners, and welcome. I'm Kristen Keys. I'm Allison Sigurd. And I'm Kat Miller. And our guest today is like not really a guest because she's been on like the last four dozen episodes. <laughs> uh, guys, <laughs> Katie is back. Hello, Katie. Hello, Kat and everyone else. I hope you're not getting sick of my voice. <laughs> but I'm happy to be here again. Uh, they're not allowed to be sick of your voice. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is my second time recording with you this week, Katie. It is. <laughs> So go listen to Speak Beastie. Yeah, you guys did Beastie, right? We yeah, did. we did. So it's about time you were on that show, Allison. I know. I was like, it took forty episodes, but <laughs> I made it. Yay! <laughs> but this is a little Mora, and it is. We are revisiting a chapter today, listeners. Huh. And the chapter we're revisiting is Prisoner of Azkaban, Chapter Ten: The Marauders Map. So make sure you read that before listening. And you also might want to go back and re-listen to our last read-through of this, which was episode 24, like 200 <sighs> episodes ago. That's a long time. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Fun fact, it was my first episode as a guest host, actually. No way! That's <laughs> it awesome. was? It was! I think it just was. When you were, just when you were Miss Allie Wood on the phone. Yes, forum. exactly. Aww. So little moderator. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. It was funny. I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. Again. <laughs> Happy, I mean, it's not really an anniversary. What is it? Like, re-readiversary? I don't know. It's like <laughs> yes. a circle. The circle of life. I oh, have returned. Oh, it is just one giant circle theory. That's what you are. <laughs> Very fitting that you're on this episode. <laughs> Very. And someone else who's really special and awesome and is on this episode is our Patreon sponsor, and that is Courtney Elliott this time around. Courtney, let's give her a awesome round of applause. Thank you. Thank you, Courtney. And any one of you out there listening can become a sponsor of this show for as little as $1 per month. And we have been releasing, you know, exclusive tidbits and things for our sponsor. So you can head over to alohamora.mugglenet.com backslash Patreon or patreon.com backslash alohomora and you know yeah become a sponsor like the very awesome courtney so thank you again courtney yay yay courtney another super awesome thing where are you all going to be on september 1st this year that's in what is that oh my Too gosh much? it's like 40 something days it's so soon yeah not long <laughs> so at soon. all it's so soon and MongoNet is throwing like the biggest party that has literally ever been thrown. Although, you know what? That's kind of an oxymoron because it's also a really small and very intimate party as well. And, of course, as you all know, because you've listened to this show a hundred times and I'm sure you've seen the ads and the tweets and all that stuff. But it is at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Diagon Alley in Universal Studios, Florida. And we have reserved it for all of you. Come and join us. I'm pretty sure at this point all the hosts are going to be there. I'm I'm officially a yes now. Yay! And Katie will be there, so you guys can come and tell her um, how sick you are of listening to her voice. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Universal actually just released a time-lapse video of the Wizarding World from, like, day to night. And the only thing I could think of was, you can see that in real life. 
Because you're going to be there after hours when, like, the park is the most magical. It's amazing. And it's going to be really and exciting. not crowded. <laughs> yes, not crowded. And we're going to have a bunch of super special guests just, like, wandering around. Like, our newest announcement. I don't think... Have we talked about this on Alohomora yet? I don't think so. Our newest guest announcement was none other than Sean Biggerstaff, Oliver Wood himself, and my 11-year-old heart died, <laughs> as we all know. It, so. He's making his U.S. debut. It's his first Harry Potter event in the States ever. So it's really exciting. You know, you can come and meet him. And there's no additional fee for autographs and photographs, which is like anybody who is a con goer knows how expensive that can get real fast. Seriously, and we have though. eight really awesome special guests, including Sean and Christian Coulson and Chris Rankin, Luke Youngblood, and then, you know, some of the kids from the epilogue and the flashback kids and all that. So it's going to be one really awesome night to remember. Less than 500 people in the park. And if you've ever been to Diagon Alley... You know how incredibly like crowded that can become. It, it's going to be like personal space heaven. You guys could do somersaults and cartwheels and backflips <laughs> and all that stuff. It's going to be a lot of room and uh, details on all of that. There are still tickets available, although very few, to be honest, are over at MuggleNetLive.com. So go check it out. <laughs> yeah, something else you should check out is this week's chapter. Three turns should do it. Chapter Revisit Chapter 10 I solemnly swear that I am up to no good The Marauder's Map (laughs) Devastated by the loss of his beloved Nimbus 2000 Worried over his grim sighting And, most of all, haunted by his encounter with the Dementors Harry recovers after his first lost Quidditch match Professor Lupin has returned to teaching, much to the joy of his students, and Harry asks his favorite professor to teach him how to repel Dementors. Before that, however, Christmas is coming, and with it a Hogsmeade trip. Luckily for Harry, the Weasley twins have a special surprise for him, the handiwork of Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. The Marauder's map leads Harry to Hogsmeade, where he, Ron, and Hermione have a wonderful afternoon, until they chance to overhear a discussion that will change how Harry sees his situation with mass murderer Sirius Black. Okay, first thing, and I know this has nothing to do with anything, the word messers, like, always <laughs> screws me up. <laughs> me too! Like, what is that? You know, isn't it just a weird plural? I don't know, I find that to be a very odd plural. <laughs> messers? It is, but it's also kind of fun to say. <laughs> What? Yeah, I mean, in, it, it's funny. In this context, it makes significantly more sense than if you were like, Messrs. Patrick Stewart and uh, Ian McKellar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just sounds like almost derogatory in that context. I don't know. Yeah, I'd only ever say it referring to these four people, and that's yeah, it. Exactly. I feel like it's kind of a, like, antiqu- antiquated, that's the word I'm looking for, antiquated um, word. Which makes mm-hmm. sense for the four of them to be like, get our monocles out, guys, and being they're being dumb. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Let's see. I'm gonna. I, I'm just like, oh yeah. It says noun British dated. Yeah. So like, <laughs> nobody really uses that anymore. So hmm. yeah, that's the way J.K. Oh my gosh, it was the word was invented in 1779. Whoa. <laughs> oh. Okay, it's an abbreviation of the French, uh, messieurs, I guess I can't pronounce mm, it, but it's yeah, the plural of, of monsieur, however you say that too. French is not 
a good language for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I guess that makes sense that it's derivative from a a French word. But that is all. That is our vocabulary <laughs> lesson for this de- for this episode. Yay, we've learned something. <laughs> Well, let's dive into the details then. Um, so we start out this chapter with Harry's in the hospital wing. Um, he just lost his Quidditch match against Hufflepuff, which I somehow forgot happened, I think, until I was rereading this and I was like, oh yeah. Um, but the, the first thing I noticed in the first couple of paragraphs was we get some really great friendship mentions. Um, there's a line where just Ron and Hermione never leave Harry's side except for at night. <laughs> What? <laughs> Hermione doesn't go to class. Okay. Isn't it the that, weekend? Okay. It, yeah. I think so. Because he leaves on a Monday. Wait, it does not say it's the weekend. Yeah, no, because he leaves on a Monday. He leaves the hospital yeah. on a Monday. So he wasn't there like mm. a whole week. Hold on. We're, we're going we're we're gonna gonna to quote this. this up. Because there, yeah, because yeah, he um, does leave on a Monday. So I thought, I figured it was like a, a weekend. Yeah, because it says it was a relief to return on Monday to the noise and bustle of the main school. Yeah, Madame Pomfrey insisted on keeping Harry in the hospital for the wing for the rest weekend. of the weekend. Yeah. But we don't know what day he actually got in there. It wasn't necessarily a Friday, was it? It probably was. Yeah, I would I would have assumed it was, yeah, Saturday morning. That's how hmm. I always read it. Keep chatting. I'm going to look for a date. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we get them only leaving at night. Wood comes to cheer him up, despite Wood's own, you know, disappointment, devastation, <laughs> everything. I love Oliver. And we get a cute moment I forgot about of Ginny comes and gives him oh, a yeah. card. <laughs> Which cute. I was like, Another. Aw, cute little Ginny with her little crush on Harry. Anyway, those are just some cute moments that I had forgotten about. But the biggest thing we get into at the beginning of this chapter is that we're flashing back to Harry and his encounter with the Dementors. Harry realizes he's hearing Lily's voice when he gets attacked by Dementors. He kind of figures that out while he's in the hospital wing. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is this our first glimpse into that Halloween like that scene? I don't believe so because I was just rereading Sorcerer's Stone recently and he says he has the dream where he sees the flash of green light. Oh, yeah, that's mm. right. But he doesn't okay. hear anything then. It's just the green light and he's wondering what could possibly have caused all that green light. That's true. Okay. But it's still, it's it's an interesting thing because I, um, this is the first time I really noticed it, is just how slowly throughout this whole series, this one scene, like this one night we kind of get layered on until we get that whole thing in Deathly Hallows from Voldemort's perspective. Um, but it's just interesting that there's like, it's this one moment and we only get bits and pieces. Yeah. And it's just really like the voice, hearing the voice of it. Mm-hmm. Like what happened sound wise that night. Nothing to do with our current conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but the chapter doesn't actually give a day. It just says Harry woke up extremely early the next morning. Okay. That's all it says. Although then it says that the team came to visit him on Sunday morning. Okay. I mean, that's it. So. So I assume it's like, I feel like Quidditch is always Saturday mornings. But. Maybe. I guess that's I fine. I could be wrong. Anyway, Lupin's back in Defense Against the Dark Arts. <laughs> in this chapter. Um, 
This is just a side note, but this is one of my favorite kind of random bits of dialogue from students. I don't know why, but the two rolls of parchment just cracks me up every single time. Yeah, the way um, it's repeated twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where it's just like, they're like, there's all these things that Snape did and he wouldn't listen to us. And there's that one kid who's like, two rolls of parchment. Like, yeah. Don't they have DADA with Slytherins? I don't know. Do they this year? I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe it's just the Gryffindors. I don't know. I was just trying to think of who would be whining about two rolls of parchment. (laughs) For some reason, I I think I always just associated it with it's either Dean or Seamus. That's exactly what I was about to say. I always thought Seamus was the one just going, two rolls of parchment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I guess guess that works for me. Head cannon accepted. (laughs) Anyway, we also find out that Hermione has finished said werewolf essay. Of course. (laughs) So, (laughs) obviously, so she knows about Lupin by now. So my question is, why hasn't she shown any more signs of being suspicious? Or, like, she hasn't indicated at all any rate that she's like, hmm, there's something weird going on here with Lupin after doing this essay. But I could see that with her, like, with her whole, like, elf rights thing. Like, I could see her seeing him as a minority, and she's read up on the history, I'm sure, of werewolves and their rights and having to be on this registry now, etc. So I could see her, if she did realize that, not wanting to tell... I mean, it is kind of weird she doesn't even tell Harry and and Ron, but just wanting to keep that to herself to make sure Mm -hmm. that his secret does not get out, because she knows others would judge him, even though she herself probably doesn't judge him at all, especially being muggle-born, she would not have that prejudice against werewolves. So, personally, that's why I think she hasn't said anything. Mm -hmm. Also, if Hermione truly did read up on the history and stuff, and I totally believe you there, wouldn't she have read about Lupin's father? Wasn't he involved in, like, the werewolf registry stuff? Hmm. Am I I wrong I thought the registry was years before that. I gotta look it up now. I can't remember which year, but I was thinking it was at least decades. So yeah, his dad's specialty was non-human spiritus apparition apparitions. Mm-hmm. So poltergeist, bogarts, and other strange creatures. Um, meeting his wife. Blah blah blah. Lyle Lupin was among those asked to join the department for the regulation and control of magical creatures, which he did gladly. It was here that Lyle came to face the werewolf called Fenrir Greyback. Blah, blah, blah. The werewolf registry was badly maintained. Yeah. Um, let's see. <clears throat> and then and then Lyle, like, insulted him, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And then that's why. Lyle, generally a mild-mannered man, grew angry. He described werewolves as soulless, evil, deserving nothing but death. The committee ordered Lyle out of the room. The head of the committee apologized to the muggle tramp, and Greyback was released. Um, so he was definitely on... The committee. Um, okay, because that's why he targeted uh, Remus, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think the registry was already around before then. It was yeah. just not being maintained adequately, apparently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And that's all from Pottermore for everybody listening, just for the record. But Hermione's very cautious, especially right now. So what I what I don't get is if she doesn't know Lupin's getting Wolfsbane potion... Why isn't she, like, 
concerned well, for everybody. She must safety. have assumed that that's why he was out sick. Yeah, because she's been reading up on it. Yeah, she probably looked at the star charts or the the moon phases. Sorry, and was like, oh, all right, I get this now. And Lupin has never given Hermione a reason to doubt him. Yeah, either. that's true. I mean, because they don't know that Lupin and Sirius were friends, are friends, and so. You know, just like Katie said, she's giving him the benefit of the doubt because she knows so much about werewolves and, you know, uh, the spew stuff and the like. And his character. Yeah, and his character. Yeah. Mm. Okay. But I still think I, I, if she did do all that research, I bet Lupin's dad was in there somewhere. That may have helped inform her opinion. Yeah, that's true. We may never know. Well, we can guess. We can kind of know. Yeah. We're like Dumbledore that way. We make educated guesses that are usually <laughs> yes, right. Yes, <laughs> indeed. I like that. That is why he is the figurehead of this show, I suppose, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're actually going to get to something about that in a little bit, because listening to the last time we talked about this chapter, there were some interesting points made from information we didn't know yet. But speaking of flashing back to episode 24, Kat, you actually mentioned in that episode... Um, Lupin's kind of restraint when he finds out from the kids that Snape said a werewolf essay. Um, mm-hmm. And Laura actually made a really interesting point where she asked if this was kind of Lupin having learned to control the kind of wolf part of himself and if that helps him control his emotions mm. and his reactions to things. What do we think? Has he ever really shown a temper, though? No. <laughs> I think it's just his character. Yeah, I don't think in anything. It's throughout the whole series. It takes a lot to make him upset, I feel like. Yeah. I think that's just his personality. Not everything has to be tied back to a werewolf. (laughs) Yeah. Plus, I obviously don't remember exactly what I said on that episode, but I feel like (laughs) Lupin, you know, he smiles to himself in that moment, if I remember correctly, and he's Mm -hmm. probably just like, Good old Snape trying yep. to out me. You <laughs> yep. know, it's just like, you little bastard, yeah. basically. And, you know, um, you know, cause Lupin has that, uh, I'm not sure what the right word for it is. It's not like sarcastic and it's not, um, I'm not sure. He's, He's kind like, of wry. Yeah, like there you go. W R Y. Right. That, 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 that odd sense of humor, so to say. So mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, that's what he's doing in that moment. Yeah. That is funny, though. It's so weird and kind of beautiful to go back and talk about these again. And since we have so much information since, you know, five years ago, mm-hmm. it's, it's, kind, it's kind of great because the Lupin backstory hadn't come out yet. Came out after this on Pottermore, right? Yeah, it hadn't been yeah. out yet. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, it was really funny actually listening to it because there were a couple times where people were like, are we going to get a Lupin backstory? Because I really want to know this. <laughs> like, there it is. See, right there. I mean, that Crazy. was when Pottermore listened to the show and gave us what we <laughs> yeah. asked for. Obviously. Exactly. That's why they copied us. Oh, <laughs> they're still doing it to this day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of Lupin still, um, we get this nice moment with Lupin and Harry. Um, And there were a couple things I just really kind of homed in on this time. First of all, obviously, Lupin mentions that the Wampling Willow was planted the year he came to Hogwarts, which it seems so obvious looking back. It's like, duh, 
like things are connected. I have um, a coworker who's reading the books for the first time um, with oh, his son. What a beautiful thing. Yeah, Aww. and he tells me all about it. And he he just finished um, Prisoner Azkaban, so I remember him coming. It was like a few weeks ago. Like he'll just stop me in the middle of the office, and he was like, "The Whomping Willow, what?" What? Lupin? I can't believe it. Like, it's all connected. How is it all connected? This is amazing. Like, and he just goes off and on. I was like, right? Like, and again, rereading it and like, we know, oh, it's so obvious. Duh. But to hear his perspective yeah. of it again, and he's like, they've mentioned it throughout the series, the Swampy Willow, and I had no idea what was hiding under it. Like, this is so amazing. Um, so it's really cool oh. to see that. That is such a beautiful thing, yeah. reading the books for the first time. Oh, it's the only, you know, it's funny. I go back and forth all the time. Like, would I want my memory modified so that I could read them again and enjoy them, but, like, lose all the, I like, you would lose the last five years of yeah, conversation. exactly. You know, do, you, do I want to lose all that stuff just to enjoy the books again, or can I continue to enjoy them through conversations like this in a whole new light, which is essentially for the first time. I don't know. Yeah. I go back and forth all the time. Yeah, it's hard. Him telling me all about it, I'm like, oh, I just picked up Goblet of Fire because that's what they're reading. So I can, I'm now keeping up with him so we can discuss it <laughs> nice. chapter by chapter. I'm sorry. That's cute. <laughs> no, it's that's exciting though. That's cool. Aww. And I wonder too, with this tree, like, did they magically make it grow faster? Because trees are usually pretty <laughs> small know, when right? you plant them. <laughs> they just planted the whole thing there. <laughs> what did they say to everybody? They were like, hey kids, so this year, there's a murderous tree on the ground. Don't touch it. Like, but, like, not surprising. They have a whole freaking forest full of it, so... But, like, like, how did no one... How did no one question that? How was there no, like, sixth years or something that were like, uh, Why? Like, what did they tell them? Like, was Sprout like, it's my new pet project? Or were they all like... Maybe. It could have been, yeah. Learning something Yeah, what lie did they tell? Yeah. They also would have had to make the secret passage that year. Mm -hmm. Man, summer construction at Hogwarts. Can you imagine? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, think about the pumpkins that Hagrid grew. There's probably obviously some sort of, like, charm or super special miracle grow that they can give the tree to make it grow quickly. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Super special yeah. miracle Yeah, they grow. just needed a summer. Yeah. Right, which is really only six weeks in uh, at Hogwarts because they yeah. don't end school until the end of June. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So six or eight weeks. That magical, magical water. And like <laughs> that path makes sense. But when we find out about all the rest of them with the map that we'll talk about later on, I always just wonder why are they there? Why are they there in the first place? Who came up with that idea? Like, why? <laughs> That's obviously a, a hazard, <laughs> potentially. Other Remus Lupins with other different things, maybe. Who knows? Oh, man, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll get there, though. We'll get yeah. to the map. <laughs> we'll get to the map. <laughs> We're going to have a nice long conversation about the map. Um, also, for some reason this time, I connected this this interesting line of, like, this idea of horrors and Lupin. So there's there's this line where it says... There are horrors in your past that the others don't have. A ray of wintry sunlight fell across the classroom, illuminating Lupin's gray hairs and the lines on his young face. And for some reason, it just really stood out to me this time that, like, he's talking about horrors, and he's talking to Harry about Harry's horrors, but the fact that then we get this super distinct description of Lupin right after that was just so... 
There's just so many indications in this chapter that something's going on with Lupin. Yeah. <laughs> that I was like, how have I missed all of these <laughs> in the past? Yeah, um, I, I, I'm not really sure what Lupin was going to tell Harry in that moment, but I wish that he had. I wish he had the chance to say whatever he was going to say. I feel like he was probably going to lay out his soul a little bit and give Harry probably a little too much information, maybe, which is obviously why we didn't get it, because then the entire plot would have <laughs> unfolded in front of us, you know, in chapter 10. But it would be nice to know what was going to happen in that moment. You're talking about the, like, sudden movement, wanting to grab his shoulder thing? Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. I feel like it's a discussion that's been talked a lot, but, like... What was he going to do? Was he going to tell him about James and Sirius? Was he going to... I just want to know what he was going to say and, like, what he was going to do I thought in it was moment. possibly more of a comforting thing, too, because it's just after Harry says he's hearing his mother die um, that he would want to reach out and just give him some kind of comfort, like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, that's horrible. I wish I could, you know, I wish we had a closer relationship so that you could, you know... I mean, he is yeah. trusting him in this moment to tell him this, but they're not that close yet. And I feel like he just wants to give him some love. Like, Yeah, like yeah. I feel your pain too. Like, oh, but we're not close there. So I want to yeah. share this moment with you. But at the same time, you have no idea who I am. So I'm going to step back. Yeah. Do you think this is the moment the filmmakers got the idea to like play up Lily and Remus's friendship? That's funny. I was just going to ask you, does <laughs> that's a movieism, right? Like yeah, him yeah. mentioning up mentioning Lily and all that stuff. That does not happen in the books. No. Right. Okay. I mean like so, you assume they're friends yeah. because like he and James were yeah. friends, but like they hung out all right. the time, yeah. So, yes, I do think that this is the moment where the movie makers movie makers the filmmakers <laughs> um got that idea. I've never connected that before. Huh. Ta-da! Yay! <laughs> For our next trick. <laughs> so this quote jumped out at me, um, this read-through. says, Dementors are supposed to drain a wizard of his powers if he is left with them too long. And I'm like, okay, does that mean drain them, like, forever? Or just temporarily? Because we don't really see that happen to any of the prisoners. None of the Death Eaters. They seem to come out of there with their full powers intact, um, but if forever is a possibility, because my brain is always going to Fantastic Beasts these days as well, um, I'm thinking maybe this is what was done to Grindelwald, and maybe they s literally stripped him of his magical powers so that he could never escape Nurmengard. So what are your thoughts on that? Or is it just... Um... I thought like like it was kind of going along the lines with the Dementor's Kiss. Like, then that would be the ultimate drain of all their powers forever if they went ahead and went that far. Yeah, I agree with that. But this doesn't necessarily mention the kiss. just says left with them too long. So it's a little ambiguous. I don't think it's permanent. Uh, I do. Um, because it goes on to say, uh, I have to pull up my quote now, because I was listening to this this morning, and it goes on to say that the Dementor will continue to feed off the prisoners. Uh, hold on, I need to find the exact quote. So how long has Grindelwald been in there? Well, he's been in there remember. since 1945, hasn't he? Yeah. Okay, 
Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I would say, yeah, drained over time that, yeah, it's there. It's going to be gone forever, but just because he's been in there for so long. Although we don't even know that there are Dementors at Nurmengard. I don't think there are. Yeah. But maybe this was like just a special situation where they stuck him in a room with one for a really long time. Hmm. Because you have to have like all hope lost too, I think. Because Sirius Black was had many of them on him all the time, but that didn't drain him out. Yeah. Because he still had hope and everything like that. So I think once you've lost your hope, then maybe it drains it even more because there's nothing there for you to cling on to anymore. So they're mm-hmm. taking it all. I think I must have heard oddly or wasn't quite listening this morning because I think it's that quote that you just read, Katie, that I remember listening to and thinking, what? Like they drain them forever. Like they keep them alive so that the Dementors can have food is is almost the way oh, gosh. I heard it this morning. Um, that's what I was thinking Again, when I listen to it, but it's there's always a possibility that I listened to it wrong. Uh, heard it incorrectly, I mean. That's a possibility, though. So. It's like there are these beings, and how else do you control them other than giving them food at this one location and saying, okay, you can drain these people because they're bad people. Um, but if they just let them run wild, so to speak, which, I mean, some of them, I'm sure, do, but... If they just kept running wild and reproducing, then the whole world would be full of Dementors. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I'm really curious how they came to be in the first place. Like, was this a spell gone wrong? Or did they just naturally occur? Um, yeah. Well, don't yeah, they breed out of despair? Right? Isn't that, isn't that Yeah, and like, like fog and mold and there's something about that. Yeah, they, they stay in like dank, dark places. So I imagine that it's like a Peeves type situation. Yeah. Where one they day just they just of... into existence. Mm. You know, maybe, um, I don't know, during, God, it would have been hundreds of years ago, right? So what giant historical event was hundreds of years ago? Something where there was a ton of depression or um, maybe it was, when did the was... Statute of Secrecy go into place? Isn't that the 1700s? I think it was yeah. 1700s. But the 1800s, wouldn't that be like the Industrial Revolution and stuff? Maybe. I was just trying to think of like some time that wizards would feel oppressed. Oh, well, and... no. And I'm, ju- I'm I'm saying that like Industrial Revolution, like things got gross in England. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> working conditions yeah. were terrible. Like there was and... so much smog and fog and like. Well, the Dementors create the fog. They don't, they aren't born from fog. Yeah. They create the fog. When was that huge like fog that like killed people? Was that in the 1950s or something? There's like a really bad a smog book. in London. <laughs> You're kidding. No, 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 no. Like that's. I know. I was that's kidding. That's like a real thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is a book though. I was record. like, that's a real thing that happened. <laughs> like. <laughs> I know it is. I don't remember when um, that was either. But I think it was the 1950s, actually. Okay. Well, that would... They would have been around long before that. Yeah. 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 Maybe, like, no. born out of the Black Plague or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind but, yeah. of what I'm thinking. Like, some Ooh. point in history that's, where... There's so much death going on in despair. Yeah, yeah. death and depression and all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the International Statute of Secrecy was 1692. Mm. Um Oh, wait. No, sorry. Instituted in 1689 and put into effect in 1692. 
So, I mean, uh, I wonder if there's anything. Is there anything on Pottermore about Dementors? Yeah, all it says, I mean, the the lexicon has, it just says that um, when they breed, they create a mist that permeates everything. And, I mean, that's it, really. We don't have a whole lot of information from them. So, yeah, I'm going to say that it came from something like that. That's, that's my headcanon. It's something like the plague or the oppression after the International Statute of Secrecy. Things like that. People became depressed and sad, and the Dementors started to become a thing. So fair enough. Okay. Maybe maybe they were individual Dementors in the first place, and then they got super hungry and started to roam around and suck life from other people. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, because the person that they came to be for in the first place had died or become happy for some reason and the Dementor is just like, well, now what do I do? So he found somebody else to, to suck. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. That's heavy, man. I try. <laughs> well, let's move on to something a little bit lighter then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Harry asks Lupin to teach him how to repel the Dementors. Obviously with the Patronus, we don't use the word Patronus yet, but Lupin kind of brushes him off, and he kind of tries to convince Harry not to do that. Why? Yeah, he says, like, I'm no expert. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what is the exact quote? It, it was a good quote. Um, I don't pretend to be an expert at fighting Dementors, Harry. Quite the contrary. Yeah, the quite the contrary. That's what got me. Yeah, so I think, okay, so if you read into everything we just talked about, the depression, Dementors, whatever, Lupin is basically saying here... I have nothing to be happy about. I'm not good at fighting off this depression. Like, Mm. that's basically what he's saying using Uh. quote-unquote muggle words right there. So, yeah, that makes sense to me. It does to me, too. I mean, obviously, he still agrees to do it eventually because I think Lupin sees – I think he sees something in Harry that other people probably don't recognize – um, an inherent goodness. And I think, again, that's where the filmmakers got that whole Lily stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think in this moment, Lupin is just like, I have nothing to be happy about. I'm not good at that. Yeah. I- I'm the wrong person to be asking. And perhaps also he thought he would need to show Harry a Patronus. And if he showed him his, and it was a wolf, that might clue Harry in. Oh, yeah. Or what he was, like his moon and stuff like that. Always seeing the moon. Right. Well, that's his bog art, yeah. But to teach Harry how to do it, like the Patronus, it would have to show him what his worst fear yeah. is, too. Because doesn't right. it say somewhere that he, like, avoids doing a corporeal Patronus because he's so ashamed it's a wolf, even though it has nothing to do with him being a werewolf? I don't know. You I'm pretty sure Pottermore quote. said that. I don't that. know. I don't remember that. Oh, now I'm going to have to look it up. It's going to bother me. <laughs> so, uh, basically, it's this... This is similar, but not as ridiculous as the theory if you replace wand with penis. If you replace the word dementor with depression in most of the series, it um, really takes a very different angle, which is kind of wonderful, actually. Mm-hmm. It gives you a whole new insight. And I think this is an important moment to think about something like that. Mm-hmm. So. Because, I mean, that's what Harry is struggling with at that moment, too. Yeah. He hears his mother, and it just kills him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a sadness, 
um, I'm pretty sure it's described somewhere, a, a sadness in there that he just has never, he's never felt something like that before. Yeah. Yeah. I found the quote. Um, mm-hmm. It says, Remus's Patronus is never revealed in the Potter books, even though it is he who teaches Harry the difficult and unusual art of producing one. It is, in fact, a wolf. An ordinary wolf, not a werewolf. Wolves are family-oriented and non-aggressive, but Remus dislikes the form of his Patronus, which is a constant reminder of his affliction. Everything wolfish disgusts him, and he often produces a non-corporeal Patronus deliberately, especially when others are watching. Where's that? That's so sad. It's on the Pottermore information. um, Okay. About Remus, which is sad. But we have lots of Lupin love on this show. We do. We love him so much. That's what makes his story so Even though he's depressing AF, we love him. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) But we do love him anyway. Here's something not depressing, AF. <laughs> Christmas! Yay! Christmas! And his friends staying Yay. behind. <laughs> yeah, which is my question, though. What the heck? Like, how did Ron convince Molly to just let Ron stay at school? Why were they not, like, Easy. bring him, bring Harry to the burrow? Because or, like, they didn't want to endanger him. Oh, I forgot Isn't about that. Isn't the safest place supposed to be Hogwarts? And, yeah. and they know about him, so they're like, Molly's probably like, Ron, stay. Mm, good point. But all the other kids are coming they're home. Not yeah, Harry's right. Fred and George friend. and Percy all left, right? Yeah. But they're like, hmm. Harry has to stay because he's at the safest place. So, Ron, why don't you keep him company? Because we don't want him to feel left out. But why couldn't he go to the borough? Yeah. Does Sirius Black doesn't know that he's friends with Ron. The Weasleys. And, like, Molly and Arthur will be there. Yeah. And there's been plenty of protection added to the borough before. Mm -hmm. Well, there will be after this. I don't know. He Hmm. might know it by now if he and uh, Crookshanks, depending on their level of communication, because we don't really know how much they're able to communicate, but they are able to in some capacity. Like, if they're already communicating at this point, maybe he does know that Ron is Harry's best friend. Well, he knows it, but Molly and... Molly and... What's his face? Arthur don't know it, so. And it also, Sirius's whole point is to get Scabbers. Exactly. And Scabbers would have gone home, too. That would have screwed up the plot. Because he would have had to have... Okay. Yep. That answers questions. (laughs) That's why they don't go to the borough this year. Okay. Well, anyway. I just assume, because Dumbledore's there, that that's why... Yeah. Oh, they sure. Him to say. Plus, then you don't get that beautiful scene with 13 people sitting yes. at the table. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is a good one. I, like, wanted to keep reading on, but didn't right. last night. <laughs> <laughs> but then we get to the namesake of this chapter. It is the Marauder's Map, which is the coolest thing, I think. One of the coolest things. Um Funny enough, on episode 24, one of the biggest things everybody was asking for was Pottermore information about the Marauder's Map. Guess Jeez, what, guys? And we got guess it. what? They obviously released some, right? <laughs> yes. So, you listeners, you can go read that whole thing if you want by yourself, but just some highlights. Um, the biggest, one of the biggest charms we find out about that is used on the map is the hum- homunculus charm. Mm-hmm. That's I'm right. probably saying that horribly. No, you're not. Um, homunculus. Oh, homunculus? Okay. Um, that's the one that 
tracks people and let like gives it the ability to show where people are in real time on the map. And the one that repels Snape forever, by the way. Yes. yes. So they, they specifically set up the map to specifically insult Snape, <laughs> should he ever come across it. Um, so we got that for sure, um, that it specifically insults just Snape. Um, we find out that the map was taken from the Marauders, from its original owners, in their final year at Hogwarts, that they uh, kind of overreached themselves on one of their nighttime wanderings. Um, and it says Snape probably tipped Filch off as to what they were doing, so... Sounds about Snape's right. fault. Yep. Um, <laughs> but they just kind of left it there. Um, their priorities changed in their final months at school. Obviously, bigger things were happening. They didn't need a map of Hogwarts, so it got left there. Another big thing that I thought was kind of cool was uh, J.K. Rowling's thoughts on the map. Um, it's funny, she kind of regrets it, but she's also kind of sentimental about it. Did she actually use the word regret? Because let's not go down that no, rabbit hole again. No, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Okay. Not regret. But okay. The I'll R word what she is no says. longer allowed when talking <laughs> no, about J.K. Rowling. <laughs> What she actually said, here's the quote. The Marauders okay. map subsequently became something of a bane to its true originator, me, because it allowed Harry a little too much freedom of information. I never showed Harry taking the map back from the empty office of the supposed Mad-Eyed Moody, and I sometimes regretted that I had not capitalized on this mistake to leave it there. However, I like the moment when J Harry watches Ginny's dot moving around the school in Deathly Hallows, so on balance, I am glad I let Harry reclaim his rightful property. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of my favorite moments, too, actually. Me I too. love the way the map is used in Hallows and that it always makes me smile and also cry a little bit Yeah, and, uh, when he's watching Ginny move around. But thank you uh -huh. for uh, rewording and reading that quote and not yes. using the word regret. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. And we do know that um, James Sirius, so Harry's son, kind of steals the map from his dad's desk. So we do know it's getting passed on. Where's that information come in? Uh, where did she say that? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know where it is. And then that piece is probably not true. Yeah, I'm thinking that's yeah, like a cursed child thing, isn't it? Yep. I, no, I swear I've heard that before. I don't think so. <laughs> <sighs> now I gotta look it up. Yeah, while Harry did not give the Marauder's map to any of his children, J.K. Rowling said his son James Sirius probably stole it from his desk in the grand tradition of his Marauder namesakes and the Weasley twins. What is BLC? That's what they're. What that's what the lexicons. Click for. it. It usually lets you click it. Is there? There's not a link. The on the BLC, there's not a, a link. Mm -mm. Oh, nope. probably like Bloomsbury uh, Live chat. That's it. Yeah, uh, that could be it. Yeah. I knew it! Ha! <laughs> Justice for me. It's not something for cursed child, but I'm right. <laughs> well done, Allison. Well done. Anyway, moving on to other owners of the map. Um, this question always bothers me. Why do Fred and George say they don't need the map? Because it seems like the biggest asset of the map is being able to see where people are. So... Okay, so we have this quote from Pottermore that I guess kind of answers it, but I'm, like, not happy with this answer. Um, so from Pottermore, it says, It was a mark of their high esteem for Harry Potter and their belief that he stood in need of assistance with a destiny none of them yet fully understood. 
Yeah, right. That, like, <laughs> that, like, doesn't tell me why they would, why would they not just tell Harry about the secret passages? Yeah, it's, it's weird because Fred and George are, um, this is going to come across harsh. They're slightly selfish people. And a lot of the things that they do benefit themselves. And they are very self-sufficient and, you know, one for all and two for us, basically. Um, so I always did find it a little odd that they were so willing to just hand this over to Harry. However, I think that they are already, they already have their sights set somewhere else. And making mischief at Hogwarts isn't their goal anymore. Because they've already started to, I think, talk about the joke shop and their life after Hogwarts. And I think that they're already developing and thinking beyond. So I'm not sure they care all that much about that type of stuff anymore. Yeah, I would believe it more if it were like right after the Quidditch match and Harry was in a really bad mood still and upset about his Nimbus and they gave it to him to cheer him up. But this is a bit removed from that incident. So yeah, it is a little odd, but I, we always, we always have that question too, of why did they never see Peter Pettigrew sleeping in Ron's bed? So I don't Ugh. think they really looked at the people on it so much as they did to find the secret passages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it was less about, like I said, it was less about the other people and more about how can this map benefit us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because again, I think that's their motivations in life is to uh, how can they better themselves and which isn't i mean that's not a bad thing it's just who they are and does it always show everybody all the time yeah of every second every day (laughs) (laughs) brilliant where'd you get it (laughs) i just thought like i remember like reading it this time around and it was kind of like oh and then harry's name popped up I was like, why wouldn't it have stayed there the whole time? Oh, no, you're right. It says popped up? Yeah, yeah like he appears. He appears on it. Cause it's they, like, oh, his name appears like, on it now. They're like in a room or something, aren't they? Because he yeah. was by the statue. Yeah, they went to and a classroom like, right oh, behind the statue. Yeah, and his a name. His a name. His name <laughs> uh, <laughs> appeared on it. Maybe he had just been looking somewhere else on the map because he wasn't sure where he was, and then he saw himself. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm coming or up with excuses. Only shows the people you want to see, and not everybody. But like, it shows Dumbledore. It shows Mrs. Norris. Well, those are the people Peeves. you'd want to know who's there, right? Yeah. Oh. Like, so it only tells <sighs> you, shows you the people who you want to see on there. And who you Interesting. know. Interesting. Because it could get really crowded otherwise. I feel exactly. Like. Yeah, There's true. way too many people. And you don't want to know where that second year Hufflepuff is. Like, <laughs> and Maybe that's why it doesn't show Peter Pettigrew to the twins. Because they're yeah. never looking Cause they for don't. But then it shows. But no, because that wouldn't make sense. I was going to say it shows it later. Yeah, you're right. Never mind. <laughs> is it like the room of requirement? It shows you who you need to see on the map? Mm-hmm. Hmm. But wait a minute, where's that quote? Because I just read the whole section and I didn't find that. It's when he's going over to the statue. I don't have, I yeah, don't have he, my like, copy in the room. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, so after friend George leaves the room. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because it shows him what to do to make to kind of activate the statue so he can get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Where, he up wait, the map again where is the statue? What floor are they on? The third. Third level. Is it? On the third floor. Mm-hmm. All right. Halfway down the third floor corridor. So maybe it's because he was in a classroom. So then, like, yeah, it says. Or maybe they just weren't looking in that area before. So Harry didn't notice that his name was there. Maybe. I don't know. It just, I never believed that it showed anybody, everybody there at all times. Maybe it recognizes that the map changed ownership. It said he pulled out the map again and saw to his astonishment that a new ink figure had appeared upon it labeled Harry Potter. This figure was standing exactly where the real Harry was standing. I feel like Hmm, I have to look at other examples of him looking at the map to see if it's showing everyone. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but Mm -hmm. I always thought that it showed every person at all times. And I did too. I read this as Harry was just noticing that for the first time. I wonder if typically the person using it would not see themselves because why would they need to? They know where they are. Uh, Maybe he just popped up because it needed to show him how to use the statue. Mm-hmm. Oh, could be. Yeah, that's a good explanation. That's an idea. Yeah. I don't know. I still don't believe it shows everybody. That's my canon. Because hmm. <laughs> that's way too many people on a map. Well, there's only a thousand students at Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> that's still a lot of people on a map. <laughs> but over seven floors of castle. It's really not that many. Think about a thousand people at a theme park. But you don't like you don't want all those thousand people. Like you're not trying to find all those thousands. You're only trying to find specific people. No, I mean, I mean, you're right, but I don't know. That's a good question for Joe. <laughs> Please answer. <laughs> and our listeners, <laughs> you should definitely comment on this episode and let us know what you think. Agreed. Yeah. For sure. Well. Follow Harry through the hump into the passageway. Walk about an hour, which is a long yeah, which time. Which is so <laughs> long. I mean, that is dedication. Right? <laughs> like, that's horrible. And you think of how many times he, like, uses that passageway to get there. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, by the time he gets there... Everybody's every, gone. You know, Ron and Hermione are going to be like, oh, Seriously? we're headed back to the castle. So... <laughs> we're bored now. See you there, um, buddy. But then we get to Honeydukes. Which is heaven for anyone with a sweet tooth, a.k.a. me. (laughs) Um, But here's my thing. Um, Weird candy? Like, why are they selling blood lollipops and candy with cockroaches in them and acid pops that can burn holes in your tongue? Okay, so like Um, cockroach clusters are a legit real thing. mm Mm-hmm. Are you they? Know, they sell all sorts of. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are places that sell all sorts of chocolate covered bugs. So that I is just the got least bacon cheddar cockroach candy at a uh, Universal for my nephew. Oh yeah, in Jurassic Park, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh jeez. <laughs> so it's right, real. I remember that? It's real stuff. Yeah. So, but the blood lollipops and stuff—that's that's, weird. That's a I, bit much. They can't be real blood. Yeah. But are they real blood? Because it's in. I mean, I know it's in the. What do they call it? Like alternative choices section or something? Yeah. What's it called? Yeah. Um, uh, what was it? it? Maybe like you're just feeling a little tastes. anemic. You want something sweet? 
<laughs> well, Hermione yeah. thinks that they're from vampires, so yeah. maybe they are. But like, <laughs> also, but like acid pops, because Ron says he got a hole burned in his tongue. Yeah, that's like, messed that up. That seems a little <laughs> serious. I feel like that would be something that the, the Weasley twins would sell at the joke shop. Yeah, like that seems yeah more of a joke shop one than a. Here, have an acid pop, kids. <laughs> this like that's just horrible. Go burn and holes. How do they fix fun. a hole? <laughs> I mean, well, the you know the ones that make you steam and and it says yeah. um, the peppermint cream shaped like toads. They hop realistically in the stomach. <laughs> that sounds dis- That yeah. sounds horrible. Oh, I got another really stomach ache. What's wrong? Oh, horrible. Why would you want something that hops in your stomach? Yeah. I agree. Go on a roller coaster. <laughs> and then exploding yeah, sounds horrible. bonbons? Like, do they explode as you're eating them? When do they explode? I'm confused. Hopefully, oh, hopefully that's, like, just a filled candy that explodes when you bite into it, hopefully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But knowing the Wizarding World, it's going to be, like, exploding snap or, like, blows up in your mouth or something. Yeah. Seamus. <laughs> yeah. Forget about Pop Rocks. Oh. Try one of these. Oh, God. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it is Pop Rocks, like, exploding <laughs> To, to the max. <laughs> yeah. And I had forgotten that Drubles made permanent bubbles. Me too. Yeah. Like, that I had forgotten so that fun. fact. And fizzing Whizbees are made of, what are they, Billywig stings? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Gross. I completely missed Newt would that. not approve. No, he would not. <laughs> no. He does mention it in his book, though, so. <laughs> does he? Yeah, that's where that's where that comes from is Fantastic Beast. Because then I think Ron like writes on the side, last time I eat them then <laughs> in the Got original it. version of that book. Nice. The OG. Yes. Right. Well, going past our weird candy, um, Hermione is worried about the map, and Ron's a little bit more jealous than anything, and we get this whole discussion um about Sirius Black knowing this information god this is so out of character hermione is worried and ron is jealous what this is unlike anything that has ever happened before but i do like that we get this little moment where harry and hermione have kind of a close enough friendship that harry can tease her about turning him in and like it's not serious he's just like you gotta turn me in and she's like no, but. obviously. Oh, <laughs> it's just cute. It is. <laughs> yeah, you hear that, Harmony Shippers? <laughs> That's not what I was saying. Um, and then this is just a really funny thing that happened in episode twenty-four. Nobody except for Laura had had butterbeer before on that episode. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, because I didn't make it to the Wizarding World until 2014. Yeah, and she had only had the cold stuff, and so she was disappointed it was warm, because in this chapter it says, butterbeer is hot and foamy. So more hot butterbeer all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yummy. It's my favorite. Tummy. Nobody was missing out on that crap. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, Kristen doesn't like butterbeer. That's right, I, I hate butterbeer. I've tried it. Hot, cold, frozen. Yeah. Aww. Homemade. Do you have the ice cream? Ice cream. Yeah. All of it. Oh, Some so people good. just That's don't sad. like butterscotch flavored type things. So I get it. Yep. Yep. 
That's me. That's yeah. okay, Kristen. I'll eat all of yours because I yeah. love butterbeer. And it, and don't forget, everybody, if you all. come to Mugglenet Live, we're buying butterbeer for everybody. So yay! I'll be drinking all it by the butterbeer. The <laughs> <laughs> There's talk of trying to put it into water bottles and smuggle it out <laughs> for the next day. Um, apparently, it separates and doesn't last very long. But you Aww. know. You guys could come and try it. It is free, unlimited butterbeer. Yeah. I like the white and stuff the on top. The yeah, that's part. the best part. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the mm-hmm. only part I'll eat. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have one, like, attached to my hand at all times. <laughs> Just <laughs> have someone summer. follow Why you around it when it's empty. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me another one. Yeah. <laughs> So times have changed since episode 24. (laughs) Warm butter beer is great, but I can't drink a whole lot of it. I can have maybe half a cup and then I'm just done. Because it's too rich. I love the frozen stuff and I love the ice cream. The ice cream is amazeballs. Yes. But the the hot butter beer is too rich for me. Again, it's amazing. It's really good. I just can't drink a whole cup. I can't do it. I have to like have a really empty stomach. See, I have a really high tolerance for rich stuff, so I down that. <laughs> I'm good with everything. <laughs> so, yes, obviously, if we're talking about butterbeer, we make it to the three broomsticks. Um, Churls. Which, there's just a lot of great stuff about the three broomsticks. <laughs> I just I just have to say, I love Hogsmeade. I think it's one of the greatest settings Rowling created. Um, it's just fun to have this, like, wizarding... But, like, very picturesque English village that's all wizards. Um, I've always loved Hogsmeade. Yes. And now when I read this, all I can picture is Universal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's true. <laughs> they did such a good job. And I they just did. noticed, and I think this is the only, the only time it might be mentioned, is that McGonagall orders a gilly water. Isn't that weird? I, yeah. I always wondered. I was like, where do they get gilly water? And there it is. Oh. But I, I, I don't think it's just water. <laughs> Here, no, I don't sure think it's, it's just water either. But still, I had never... I didn't know where that reference came from, since for those who have not been, Universal has gilly water in the parks. It's basically their bottled water. And I had no idea where that reference came from, and I guess here it is. Indeed. Hmm. It just made me go, ha, today. (laughs) I do like all their different drinks. I think it's really funny. Um, McGonagall gets the gilly water. Flitwick gets the, what is it, like, cherry soda. Cherry syrup syrup and soda with ice and umbrella. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) He is the cutest. I love him. Yeah. And then we have Hagrid who gets, like, the most alcoholic and tons of it. Four four pints of mulled mead and red currant rum for the minister. Yeah, which, which seems like we should sorry, analyze no, but... these drinks for a moment because I feel like that's their personalities <laughs> in their alcohol. exactly. Yeah, actually, yeah. McGonagall's <laughs> is small and simple, very straightforward. Hagrid's is like super over the top and a little drunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Flitwick's is like super sweet and very nice and has the little umbrella because he's I don't know, he's just so gosh darn cute. <laughs> <laughs> And the red currant rum. I don't know what I don't know what that says about the minister. What what's a what's what a red is. currant? Is that like a cherry? I think it's a type of berry, isn't it? I think so. Okay, yeah. I had no idea what it was. I know nothing about alcohol, so don't ask me these questions. 
The only <laughs> reference I know of current wine is from Anne of Green Gables, so I'm not really sure what a current is. But yeah, I think it is a type of berry. Oh yeah, shiny little berries that grow low on bushes, hanging from the branches of mini- like miniature gems. Hmm. hmm. It sounds like a refined type of drink. Sounds so, like someone's as- trying to be fancy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. It's, it has a tart flavor. And, huh. but with the same, uh, hmm, same amount of approximate sweetness. Let's see. Um, it's often served with lamb or venison, turkey, and goose. Where does it grow? Um, it is a British fruit. Oh. Yep. <laughs> Relatively high content of organic acids in mixed polyphenols. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I was hoping that it would like have some like in this fruit is inherently evil, (laughs) (laughs) but it just sounds like it's very tart. Now I'm really curious. It sounds like it's trying to be very posh. (laughs) Yes, posh. Yeah, I mean, could be. Which makes sense for fudge because I feel like (laughs) Um, I feel like fudge is always trying to come off as very posh, but he's not that great in real life. Oh, yeah. It's all for show. Speaking of show, I just have to point this out, because I never paid attention to this before, but they noticed that Rose Murda is wearing sparkly turquoise high heel shoes, <laughs> which is just... Damn, go Rose Murda. Right? <laughs> like, whoa. No wonder Ron has a crush on I was gonna say, her. that's why Ron loves her. <laughs> yep. Must be. <laughs> Those ain't your mama's shoes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Although she is described as being a a bit curvy, I believe it's said in that chapter. Um, Which his mama is a bit curvy, so... (laughs) I don't know why I'm putting those two together. Just never mind. (laughs) No, no, it's okay. I mean, they, they say that you do end up, you know, crushing on people that are like your parents. So... That makes sense. Yeah. Ron likes some thick. It's fine. <laughs> oh my god! At least for the moment. <laughs> oh my god! They don't make them like this at Hogwarts. Oh my god! <laughs> Come on. <laughs> now someone's gonna want that to be an episode. <laughs> <laughs> That is that is cute though that little that little nod to the turquoise shoes. Yeah, it's yeah. just a nice little detail that she didn't have to include, but I like that she did. It just gives us mm-hmm. a little more information yeah, to, to form about that character. <laughs> and then we get to the really important stuff that happens in this chapter, um, all here at the end, where we get this this overheard conversation. So. <laughs> Obviously, Hagrid's kind of been telling everyone what's happening at Hogwarts. So what else do we think the whole village knows about? (laughs) My gosh, everything. I think Hagrid, oh, I love him. But you just can't, I mean, so Dumbledore implicitly trusts him, you know, to do anything. Yeah. But I think there's a reason Dumbledore doesn't tell Hagrid stuff. And it's because he's got a big mouth. Yes. You know. You might be able to trust Hagrid to run errands and to protect, you know, the Philosopher's Stone and things like that. But, like, don't tell him what it is because he'll just blab about it and tell everybody. I mean, look at what he did, like, in the first book, you know? So I- I'm not surprised that he's blabbing about it here. 
My other big question that comes from this is, okay, so I think we talked about this on episode 24 a bit, but how does Fudge talk to the Dementors? Like, he says they're furious, but like, how do they communicate? Because mm-hmm. they don't talk. I mean, they must talk. I mean, we've had Jim the Dementor on the show before. And he, <laughs> he communicated just fine. So, I mean, they have mouths and they can, so they must be able to speak. They have tongues and everything, don't they? You need a tongue to speak, so. Do Dementors have tongues? I don't know. No, neither. Well, if you think about it in the light we were looking at them before, that they are a manifestation of somebody's depression, you would think that it would have, you know, because they have a human-esque form. So maybe they're like mermaids and they just have their own form. They have their own language. And Fudge has an interpreter or he speaks Dementoid. Dementoid. <laughs> Dementoid. I mean, maybe Vernon was right in some way. Dementoids. So, you know, yeah. maybe that's it. Maybe they just have their own language. I could see that. Mm-hmm. I always imagine, too, like, it's from a different book series. Uh, but, like, they kind of talk through you, like, you know what they're saying, but they're actually kind of talking through you without moving their mouth. Like, they're in your their mind, like, projecting it. Like what they're saying, but without actually like moving their lips, but you can hear exactly what they're saying in your head. Hmm. Sure, I dig it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe as minister of magic, that's just something you learn. Here's how you know they hand out, they give you the book on your first day. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. And chapter seven: How to talk with dementors. Understanding dementors. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. How did they come to be employed? At the ministry is my real question. I think we actually got that information. Let's go back to Pottermore for the fifth time today. (laughs) Hey, sometimes. Hey, we have Pottermore this time, so with tons of information, (laughs) we need to use it. So, Ekrisdis, who was the insane practitioner of the worst kinds of dark arts, who originally owned Azkaban. Alone in the middle of the ocean, he lured, tortured, and killed muggle sailors, apparently for pleasure, and only when he died, and the concealment charms he had cast faded away, did the Ministry of Magic realize that either island or building existed. Those who entered to investigate refused afterwards to talk about what they had found inside, but the least frightening part of it was that the place was infested with dementors. So they were already there. Oh, maybe that's where they um, originated. Many in authority thought Azkaban an evil place that was best destroyed. Others were afraid of what might happen to the dementors infesting the building if they deprived them of their home. The creatures were already strong and impossible to kill. Blah, 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 blah. Basically, they were already... Mm. Yeah. Okay. Basically, they were already there. And... Because they're manifestations of the people. I'm telling you guys. Oh, man. That's creepy. Yeah. So even after the person that manifested them, so to speak, dies, they stick around. Right. Because they now have life. Yeah. Because they are alive. I mean, they are legit alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they breathe, though. So they're... Right. Hmm. It's kind of like that toad that was brought to Australia. Like, nobody wanted it there. But then it started to make a home for itself and just kept breeding. And now it's there. Like, they're just around. Mm-hmm. New ones can still pop out of people. Well, you said a toe. And then I realized you said a toad. <laughs> I, I was like, <laughs> I was like wait, what? Like, ribbit. And then once you said they breathe, I was like, oh, toad, duh. 
<laughs> toad uh, yes toad, i'm glad uh, i'm not the only one who heard that because i was like Wait. A toe. damn that's a long way for it to go <laughs> how's it breaking yeah. i don't understand <laughs> there's some weird stuff down under <laughs> i mean we knew australia was weird yeah <laughs> But yeah, so the, the Dementors don't really need to manifest from people anymore. They still do, and I'm sure that that still happens, but they can breed now. So Interesting. But if they're impossible to kill, I feel like eventually they would just kind of take over, wouldn't they? Because there's always going to be depressed people. Maybe they die. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure everybody's very happy after the the war is, is over at the very end of the series, but there's also a lot of grieving to be done at the same time. Um, Do you think they fade? Do they, like, die and fade? They might, if they can't find, you know, a, you know, they're, they only breed when they're really happy, so if they're just status quoing it, maybe yeah. they're not breeding. Yeah. I mean, they got they gotta be happy. Maybe if they don't have access to, like, feed, then they just dissolve or something. Yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't say that they are immortal, it just says they can't be killed. No. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. So maybe one day, like, when, like, Kingsley, like, gets rid of all of them, they just, like, shove them in a box or something, and then <laughs> eventually they dissolve. I don't <laughs> they know. They weird uh, skin flaky and melt away, like, multiple. Oh, ew, gross. <laughs> yeah. Dementor Fetty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> gross. So then we got talking about... Sirius. And Rosemary says Sirius would have been the last person she thought that would have gone to the dark side, which I think is the only time they use that phrase in these books. I don't think it but is. It just makes I feel me like giggle. I've read that in another part. I could be wrong. Oh. But I think they used that. Okay, whatever. It just makes me giggle. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, so what do we think? Do we think Sirius is the last person who would have gone over? Well... I think that he probably spent he probably spent a significant amount of time in a place like that, you know, because he didn't really. Yeah, sure. He left his he left his family's home and went to live with James and then got his own place. But I imagine when James was out with Lily and all that stuff, Lupin was, I don't know, doing whatever Lupin was doing and Pettigrew was being a slimy little traitor. Sirius needed something to occupy his time, so he probably went and spent some time at the Three Broomsticks. And I would imagine, it's just my headcanon here, that Rosemurta got to know him a little bit, perhaps. And so maybe she's slightly more well-informed than other people. Um, I do think that inherently, and we will get to this because, y'all, we have a whole Sirius episode planned. And you know <laughs> how I have feelings about Sirius Black. But I do think that he is inherently like a decent person. I don't know if you could say he's the last person anyone would ever expect to go to the quote unquote dark side, mm -hmm. but maybe um, she was just kind of equating him with James since they were inseparable and such good friends. Yeah. yeah. So she just That's figured, well, always. James would definitely never go dark. So clearly Sirius wouldn't either. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. No, that's how I kind of played it off is that they were always together. So she saw you know, probably knew where, what his upbringing was and how much he changed and was always with James that I would never imagine he would go back to be like them, like his family. Yeah. Kind of and thing. also it could be in reference to the fact that, you know, Sirius was the supposedly the one who gave up James and Lily. 
And I'm sure partially Rosemarja is talking about that as well. So, like, that she doesn't believe that Sirius would do that. Yeah, no. Yeah. This is just an interesting thought I just had, though. Rosemarja knows, like, all of the kids at Hogwarts, then, it seems. Or yeah, she's probably, probably at least, like, seen them all. All the ones who fancy to go into the three broomsticks. Yeah. And go to or maybe Hogsmeade. just the popular ones. I don't No, I feel like, I feel like those unpopular kids are going up there and talking to the barkeep. Yeah, yeah, and she strikes me like the type of woman who would find that person who's in the three broomsticks by themselves. Yeah, and talk them up. Or whatever, and they'd go over she'd go over and be like, How are you doing, dear? That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. You know? I oh, what see book that. are you yeah. reading? How are classes going? Like yeah. she strikes me as that warm, like Molly ish person, mm-hmm. which again is like why why Ron likes her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's interesting. Like she knows a lot more than I think than I've ever given her credit for. Mm-hmm. Which is why like, Draco chooses her in Half-Blood Prince. Yeah, I was going to say, she's a pretty good spy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. No wonder, like, Dumbledore relies on her mm-hmm. and Draco decides to use her. And She's the behind-the-scenes huh. woman. Like, she sees everything. You just don't know it. Yeah. It's always those people. <laughs> Indeed. And then, of course, we find out the big reveal that Sirius and James were best friends. He was our friend. Oh God, that's the worst part of that film. <laughs> what? It was all fun. I actually quite. I, I actually hate like Harry crying scenes. Like I'm like, you're the worst he's... actor ever. <laughs> Whoa, I disagree with that. Just in those but he's parts. a really bad. Okay. Just the crying yeah, parts. Um, I can't. His fake him. crying has gotten much better over yes. the years, but yes. that is bad yeah that is oh i kind of like that scene though yeah, I don't that is like it. dawson leary crying on the dock <laughs> okay guys look it up if you don't get that reference i've only seen look the meme up. just like within the last two weeks so i get that exactly. reference now <laughs> wait in the last two weeks is the first time you've seen that dawson leary meme yep wow. girl Girl, so I can't even remember oh what gosh. it was from, and I was like, "What the hell is this? It's hilarious!" And then I, <laughs> I saw it. That's the only reason. But it was very, very recent that I saw that. But yeah, it's just as bad as that. <laughs> I don't know. I like that scene because he's just so like raw and angry. But he's—it's just... so fake to me. I don't know. I can't do but it. But Joey yeah. had just left him to go be with Pacey. I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Can't help it. Can't help myself. (laughs) But no, that scene is terrible. Legit, though, that is the worst fake crying I've ever seen. And there's not even tears in his eyes. No. And he's like... (laughs) Because he's not really, like, sad. He's just angry. Yeah. (laughs) He's in a rage. (laughs) But then he's not playing it as a rage. He's playing it as he's crying, but then raging. Well, he's like... (laughs) He's like sad, but he's also angry. He's it's complicated emotions. Okay? Yeah. He just he just ain't got him. He just he, 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 right. he grew into him though. He was able to do it later on in life. Yeah, yeah. that that isn't really the like best acted movie anyway. What? Um, so and I love that movie. Like it's it's oh, great. I, I love that movie. It. But like there are a lot of questionable acting choices in that movie. The so. whole movie is awful. <clears throat> no (laughs) you can't say that Um, anyway so what do you guys remember your initial reactions to finding that out because i don't i definitely was like (gasps) what 
what? No way. And then flip the page. I got to read more now. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember. Dude, that was like 14 years ago. It was a long time ago. Okay. I just didn't know if anybody had any good ones because I don't remember. Although, it's funny because I I was thinking about the timeline today since today is the anniversary of Half-Blood. And uh, yes, it is. 12 years ago today, yeah. Um, I was thinking about like the timeline and I remember... My friend made me watch movies one and two, and then I went to see the third one, and I hadn't read the book yet because I was still reading the first or second book at the time, and I remember thinking, I don't understand anything that's happening in this movie. I didn't understand that the like the uh, Bogart was a moon. Didn't get it. I was like, oh, look, a silvery orb. Oh. <laughs> okay, so we get to the end of the movie, and I was like, what? I, li- I literally didn't understand any of it. And then mm-hmm. I read the book and I was like, oh, I get it now. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's my story. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend who didn't re- hadn't read the books literally the whole entire during the movie. Wait, why is blah, blah, blah. Wait, what is that thing? Wait. And I'm like, shut up. Shut up. I'm trying to <laughs> watch this movie. <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't do that. I was so annoyed. I was thinking it. That whole book, I remember the first time reading it, I was like on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, this book was my favorite for a very long time. Um, yeah. Until yep. Half-Blood. And I think this was one of the reasons why these reveals that kept coming out that were like, what? Yeah. So I don't specifically remember reading this passage and what, you know, where I was sitting, what I was doing. But I think like you, yeah, I was, I immediately went to the next page and had to find out more. Um, I'm pretty sure I flew through this book really fast, if I recall, because it just had so much good stuff. The only two books I have very, very vivid memories of reading is Order of the Phoenix. And that's because I had started a new job, maybe like two or three months before that book came out. And that was the first book that I got, like midnight release, got it immediately, started reading it. And I got in trouble Every single day because I took an hour and a half lunch instead of an hour <laughs> because I, I would lose track of time and I couldn't stop reading. I remember that so vividly. And then obviously Hallows, I was in Denver visiting the friend who got me into the series, Hope, who was the, the guest on episode one for the record. Nice. And um, we would, we were reading it together and we only allowed ourselves to read two chapters a day. Because, one, we were together and wanted to, like, spend time together. But Mm -hmm. also, we didn't want it to be over. Yeah. So, those are really my only vivid memories of reading Harry Potter at all. I don't even remember reading Half-Blood. I don't remember it at all. Or Goblet. Yeah, me neither, actually. I was doing a yard sale for Order of the Phoenix, and the delivery truck came. I grabbed it. I said, bye, everybody. And I took took my package (laughs) and ran down the street, because we lived on a private street. Ran down and went home and started reading. <laughs> nice. Nice. Love it. That was order? Mm-hmm. Yep, because I'd finally, like, the first four were already released, so I was able to read those. So the mm-hmm. Order of the Phoenix was the first one. Like, I actually had to wait yeah, for it to come piece. out. I just remember my mom hid order from me oh. <laughs> what? for, like, a month. Oh. What? Because, because she knew it would like be attached to my hands and she and my siblings wanted to read it. So she bought it, but she told me she didn't get it yet. Ugh. And they hid it for like a week so they could all read it before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so I only, yeah, I only remember order. And I remember when deathly Hallows came out, I remember reading that one. So nobody remembers distinctly. reading half blood. 
Is that what we're all saying? Oh, no. I went to I do a remember party. Reading the I end. did. I volunteered at Barnes & Noble and helped out with the party. Got it that night and started reading it at like 1 a.m. after the uh, book party was released. Yeah, I definitely okay. went to a midnight yeah. room. Yeah, I remember getting it. I just don't remember reading it because probably I did it the next day because I'm not a night owl. I just can't stay up all oh, night reading. Oh, no. It. I kept reading because <laughs> I was crying about Dumbledore. My brother was so much younger at that age, and he comes in. He's like, why are you crying? And I was like, get out of my room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do remember reading Dumbledore's death, but that's all I remember about reading I that would finish the time. books, and then, again, my younger brother, because nobody was, like, I didn't have any friends who were into it yet, and I would tell him everything that I just read. <laughs> <laughs> and I would make him sit there and listen to me talk about this. Because he at least had seen the movies. But he's like, I don't know what else. But he would try and, like, talk about it with me. But I was like, no, just listen. And then this happened. And so I would just tell him everything that I just read. I, I guess I lied. I do remember the very first chapter of Half-Blood. Because, again, I was with my friend Hope. She was my only Harry Potter friend back then, guys. I'm just saying. And we sat in the car and read the first chapter out loud to each other. That's the only thing I remember about Half-Blood, though. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah, we've gotten totally off topic. <laughs> sorry, we listeners. Went, we spiraled off. It's okay. Um, we also learned about the Fidelius charm here. And we've talked about it before, but and we've kind of talked about, like, how does it work? But, like, why does it work? And how is it so <sighs> complex? Because everybody's Ugh. always talking about how it's all so complex. But here's my other thing. How does it stop other people from saying anything? So, like... Do you have to move somewhere for, I mean, obviously you don't because the Weasleys don't, but how does it stop someone who like has been to a house before from saying anything after the spell is enacted? Does that make sense? What I'm asking? Yeah. So like you've been to my house before. So, but then if I put a Fidelius charm on my house, how could you not tell Katie my address or where I lived, right? Well, I think yes. you could tell it to me, but we would go there and I wouldn't be able to see you it. You wouldn't be able to see it and get in. Because the yeah. secret keeper would have to tell me for me to be able to, to actually yeah. see it. Right. But could you, like, still huh. send spells on it? Like, a fire, you know, anything? And would it, like, Ooh. still protect the house? Good question. Wait, say that like again? Like, sending any kind of spell on the house. Like, say you did know where it was located because you've been there a thousand times, but it's still, it's invisible. But could you still, like, send a spell to throw a fireball at it or something? You know, would it bounce off of it and it wouldn't catch on hmm. fire? Or would it reveal Kristen it? Kristen wants to burn your house down. Basically, but without right. seeing your house. Like with any kind of spell. I was just using fire because that's something you could see very easily. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe it's kind of like the bubblehead charm where it just blocks everything out. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, th- th- what I'm thinking about is like Voldemort obviously knew where James and Lily lived. Mm-hmm. But he needed to be told by Pettigrew before he could go and see the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think Katie, you're right. In the fact that you could walk up to it, you could come to my address, which I'm not going to say, <laughs> and you could stand out front and you know it would be there, but you can't see it. Right. Um, interesting. As far okay. as the, like, the shooting spells at it, that's a really interesting question. Because it is still a solid object. It hasn't disappeared. It's not... Yeah. yeah. You just can't go inside and murder people. But with- but he could have waited outside. Well, like, with Grimald Place, they describe mm-hmm. it as it 
when you know it comes into view for Harry that it pushes the houses to the left and right of it, like to pushes them out to the side, and it appears there. So I, f- but I think that's just that's because the, it's a row house. Yeah. Well, I thought yeah. we had decided on one of the most recent episodes that it was not a row house. Like we thought it was from the movies, yeah, it was. but it's not actually described that way in the books. Somebody said that. But if you're in the middle of London, yeah, I never see a standalone house. I do remember that conversation, Katie, but don't remember the. Conclusion. Yeah, I forget what the conclusion was myself. I feel like maybe it was in the comments after the episode. Someone was talking about that type of house, and around the time that the Black family would have purchased it, um, I feel like it was in the recap episode that that was that's possible. About. Yeah. I don't right. believe them. Um, but either way. Okay, but still, I mean, like. <laughs> push something. I, I get what you're saying, though. Like, the house is hidden yeah. at that point. So, like, yeah. But theirs is on know. the street, yeah. It so has, like, is the picket fence disappeared, too? Is it the whole what's in your, you know, your lines, the county plot lines? Of land. <laughs> yeah. Is it everything right. on that line, or is it just the actual house? House. I think it's the dwelling, because isn't okay. it said it's placed on a dwelling? Oh, it says so. inside a soul. A secret placed inside a soul. So it could be... Yeah, like, but she's it, talking like, about the protects land. Yep. The, dwelling. Protects the dwelling. Oh, okay. yes. What else Sorry. does it say? I need a Pottermore thing about the Fidelius charm. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> hmm. So we're still, yeah. we're still waiting. Darn you, Pottermore. It's, <laughs> it's just overly complicated, and I have a mm-hmm. feeling that... Maybe J.K. Rowling doesn't quite exactly know. Okay. Like, she probably knows, but, like, doesn't know no. Yeah. If that makes mm. sense. Yeah. yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of people who know and don't know, how the heck do all of these people know about this whole Fidelius charm thing with the Potters? Like, this seems like a strange group of people to know these, like, intimate back details of these secrets that Dumbledore was mostly doing. Like, I can see Dumbledore telling McGonagall what's going on. Really? Because I can't. Really? Yeah. I can. Really? Because then why doesn't he tell her about anything that has to do with Harry? Okay. (laughs) I feel like... Whoa, did you just concede? (laughs) (laughs) Ding, ding. One for the Ravenclaw. (laughs) Um... But like Fudge, especially like, how the heck does Fudge know all these details? There is no reason. I thought for him it was something like ended up being discussed in the order, and then people talk like Hagrid. But how would Fudge know? I assume people, by this point, yeah, Hagrid. it's weird too. Wouldn't it just be common knowledge? Because you know, yeah. Harry is so famous because Voldemort tried to kill him. Tried to kill him. I thought and everybody, yeah, knew that story about yeah, what right, happened. Right, but but, but then but, everyone but, would know but, Sirius was the secret keeper. Right. Be- okay, because Pettigrew is quote-unquote dead. Sirius didn't get a trial, so there's no way this information would have gotten out. Oh, you mean the only other the people who would have were. known, like Lupin, Lupin didn't even know. Dumbledore didn't yeah. know. Like, they, you know, there are very few people that knew that Sirius was the secret keeper. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. I thought you meant the Fidelius gotcha. charm in general. Like, the oh. whole story about them being, yeah. The same. whole story, yeah. I feel like how many people would know besides Dumbledore? One person talked and everybody talks. <laughs> yeah, but who's that one person? I mean, it's not Pettigrew. It's not Sirius. And it wasn't Lupin. James is dead. 
Dumbledore. He's the only plausible person who would know, right? Yeah. Voldemort? Yeah. Like, I feel but- like Dumbledore, I mean, he got to talk through his problems, too, sometimes. Not about everything. But maybe he was just talking about with somebody. <gasps> maybe. When, ooh, ooh, when were Frank and Alice tortured? It's after. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's after. Because they Mm -hmm. think they, they think they have information, it's soon after, um, because they think they have information on where, what happened to Voldemort. Bummer. Well, I mean, not bummer, you know what I mean. Um, (laughs) I'm just trying to think of who else may have, I was, what I was trying to think about is if Frank and Alice were tortured to give up that information because maybe they knew because they were in the order. Um, no, I don't think so. Who else was in the order that might have known that was actually alive is the problem. Like the Pruitts, like after his parents died. No, before oh, okay. that would know. I mean, I-, I guess or after. I don't know. That's just somebody how who I thought like, people would know it. is after it happened. Like yeah. Dumbledore yeah. told. Somebody, and so only very few people knew. Oh, right. After Dumbledore the whole thing. gave testimony that Sirius was Secret Keeper. Okay. Ooh. So that's how Fudge would know, and a few other people. Right. That is how Fudge would know. Okay. Right. Because Dumbledore says, I myself gave testimony that Sirius was the Potter's Secret Keeper. Yes. Yes. That's right. Wow. For the last 10 yeah. minutes, we've been debating it, and it was right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Readers, that just um, proves how hard it is. To do this. <laughs> it's a yes. lot to remember. A whole lot. Fidelia's charm is so complicated. Yes. It really is. It's just, I like don't understand. Because on the one hand, it seems like it should be so simple, but it's not. And it mm-hmm. messes with my mind. Anyway. So we do find out that the Potters were hidden under Fidelia's charm. Um, and no one was supposed to be able to find them. There's the whole thing in, uh, which is it, Half-Blood, I guess, where there's the letter that Lily sends to Sirius saying that James is getting all restless because they're, you know, stuck in their house and they can't leave. And here we find out that the, tar- the charm was only placed on their house for barely a week. And I'm like, James, get over yourself. You can sit in your house for a freaking week. Like that. With your son. Yeah. And your wife. Who are in danger of dying. Like, he wants to save everybody. Like, he's doing stuff for the order. Yeah. He wants to be out there, just like Sirius did. He hates being cooped He has up a in saving people thing like his son. Yeah. And exactly. is a typical uh, over anxious uh, ADHD. <laughs> Not <laughs> meant in a derogatory I- tone in any way, shape, or form, for the record. Yeah. And so. he has the invisibility cloak. And I think, like, that's that's a thing with him is he's like i can go anywhere yeah, i have this cloak sure. like why am i sitting here although and I also think dumbledore has it right uh oh but yeah he's always he been able to go out and do um, stuff but but no matter but, what exactly yeah. so like mm-hmm. that that yeah. feeds into why he's feeling restless yeah well and i think you're right james is a gryffindor he's the kind of person where he's like uh someone just threatened my family i'm gonna go get him first action. before he can action, show action, up action, action. so yeah. i definitely think that's part of it is James wants to go confront the problem before it comes to him. He's not going to sit and wait for it. Fair enough. I had just always assumed that they had been there like a month or something, the way it was described in the letter. But when we find out here that it was a very short amount of time, it just made me go, what? But I, I get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, Pettigrew wastes no time giving him up. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. sad. 
Well, and if it's a small place, too, I can see why he might be a little restless, you know? Sure. If you stay in one small area for that long. So like Harry in his active, bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Then, I mean, heck, I'd get restless after a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, why am I here? Yeah, it's not like they had Netflix and stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. They didn't binge watch in the in the 90s. So. That was 80s. Early 80s. Yeah, that was the 80s. So. Oh, yeah, when Harry was a kid. Right, sorry. Screwing up my decades. There was some great television during that time. Don't, don't tell me they had nothing to watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they had things to watch. They just, you know, they, they couldn't binge. I know. That's I, well, they were wizards, though, so electronics don't really work. And James is a pureblood, so he doesn't know how that's working. <laughs> yeah, well, electronics work, not Hogwarts. Yeah, because, no. like, in the Dursley's that's house, true. they have all kinds of electronics around Harry, and they work fine. Could you imagine them sitting down to watch, like, Elf or something? <laughs> <laughs> or The Wonder Years? Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Wait, wait. Knight Rider. Yes! Yes! yes. <laughs> All of those are Talking cars, anyone, I feel like they'd be like, we need that. one of those. Yeah. Lily, we need one of those. <laughs> Lily's like, no. Please, no. <laughs> I wonder if they had, you know, like, how British TV is really different from American TV? I wonder if they had, like, wizarding tv i know they didn't oh but my god just pretend they should it would be yeah. so funny if they had like a no, wizarding family the... ties <laughs> or something <laughs> just saying so percy would be michael j fox in that situation oh my god i don't know michael j fox is way too dope to be percy <laughs> but just the uptight ambitious type is what i mean sure, sure. Oh. hey they had a lot of really Cool stuff in the 80s on on BBC and stuff. Yeah. Like they were having a great Who. time. They were watching <laughs> Doctor Who. Blackadder. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good enough for them. the Potters watched Doctor Who. EastEnders, Coronation Street. They, ooh, can you imagine James Potter watching soaps? <laughs> yes, that'd be so great. Lily would be like, James, stop. Well, then be he like, wouldn't want to leave the house. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't caught up. This is getting intense. That's what he was doing in those last 24 hours. Yeah. No, JK, he was dead. <laughs> oh my gosh! Ah. <clears throat> yeah. So, and then we, of course, we we get a tie to Sorcerer's Stone where in Sorcerer's Stone, Hagrid mentioned Sirius. And we learned that Hagrid comforted Sirius because Sirius shows up at the ruined cottage, which is really, really sad. Yes. <laughs> like, it's a really sad moment. Um, and then rereading it this time, I had a thought about Pettigrew. And Fudge mentions that they got a lot of what happened to Pettigrew from muggle testimony on the street. Um, obviously, because Peter and Sirius were in a muggle neighborhood when all this happened. But how did they trust muggle testimony to give them the full story when there's so much magic going on? And muggles always seem to not see magic clearly. Or did they like take out their memories of it and like view them there? Is that like, is that a violation of privacy? (laughs) 
I mean, they would have had to, they can't just rely on the testimony of the muggles because you're right. They can't see the magic. You know, if there's magic that makes our keys disappear and we just continually blame it on ourselves, you know, yeah, they would, I think they would have to. Because they're going to modify the memories anyway. But this was an explosion. I mean, a muggle can understand an explosion. They could have just thought the guy had a big gun or a bomb or something. Yeah. Right. But that's still like twists what actually happened. Don't they blame it on a gas leak? Yeah. But that's still like twists what they actually saw happen then. Because maybe they actually did see Pettigrew like changing into a rat, you know, but no one or like cutting off his finger or something, but they didn't get what was going Wasn't on. Wasn't he hidden somewhat, or no? I don't no, think he so. Had, no. I don't think it says that. One yeah. of them had the other cornered. I'm trying to remember which had which yeah. cornered. But if he's cornered and doesn't something go off, that you kind of wouldn't see if he turned into a rat anyways. Yeah, I think there was probably a diversionary tactic happening there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Pettigrew had serious cornered. Because that would make more sense. Yeah, I think you're but, right. Like, let's look yeah. But I think the, the whole dismembering his finger and turning into a rat thing happened kind of simultaneously with the explosion to hide it. Yeah, that's what I'm imagining. Right, a diversion. Like the exactly. Smoke and fog and blah, blah, blah. And only Sirius understood what he had done. Yes, because he saw him already. Right. So I guess that they thought that Sirius just did wandless magic then, because he, the muggles wouldn't have said he raised a wand or he through something because I don't think he was right. Yeah, no. It says nobody but trained hit wizards from the magical law enforcement squad would have stood a chance against Black once he was cornered. So, I do think Pettigrew had cornered Sirius, according to that line. Yeah, um, because they're going off the assumption that Sirius was desperate and willing to do anything to get out of that situation. So, yeah, I think that Pettigrew created a diversion somehow, whether it was wandless magic or whatever. And then, yeah, changed into the rat, cut off his finger. That way all the muggles looked over at whatever happened, didn't see the magic, ergo only saw Sirius standing there laughing. Right. Also, what the heck is the hit squad? Thank the you. Hit wizards. Thank you. <laughs> I was so confused this time when I read that. I was like, wait. I feel like they're like a SWAT team. So like the super but, dope mm, orders. That's, that's what I kind of... Isn't it? Yeah. No, because orders only deal with like dark magic, right? Whereas like magical law enforcement is like everyday stuff. Or serious black. But, I mean, I don't think they knew everything about that yet. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious about this hit wizards thing. Like, do they have kind of a CIA type agency within the ministry that's not the typical law enforcement where the orders are. It's like a different department for the super secret spy wizards. Yeah, it says further down that Black was taken away by 20 members of the magical law enforcement squad. So that could include, you know, dark wizard catchers, I suppose, as part of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, otherwise they're just a bunch of but- please men. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say weren't the, weren't the orders specifically focused in the first war on finding Voldemort himself too? Sure, but wouldn't Sirius have been? I mean, wasn't Sirius believed at least from this moment on to be, you know, part of his inner circle? I feel like 
the moment James and Lily were killed and it came out. I mean, because otherwise, why would the magical wizard people be there anyway? You know, there's a reason that they're following Pettigrew and Sirius. So I feel like they would have called some auras there. Don't they show up later, though? Who show up later? What? They don't, like, actually show up when Peter and Sirius are fighting. Right. They show up after. Sure. Yeah, so did Sirius... Right. I mean, that I doesn't, I mean I guess... they just miss the fight. That's all. That. I guess that's the yeah. way I had always thought. Mm-hmm. I guess they're looking for him, though, by that point? Oh, man. I'm getting the timeline confused. Yeah, because I'm like, did Sirius just stand there laughing for an hour until they got there? Like... How long did it take? And now an hour long of me laughing. <laughs> I guess the way I always envisioned it was that the Potters died, were killed. Voldemort went away. Dumbledore set other things into action. Dumbledore said, Sirius Black was a secret keeper. This is the guy you have to be looking for. He alerted whomever, you know, the minister, the law enforcement people, the hit wizards, whatever. <laughs> And then Dumbledore did whatever he had to do to protect, to protect Harry while everybody else was looking for the only suspect they had, who was Sirius. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's the way I had always thought about that it. That makes I sense. Guess. And then Pettigrew, like, being the, like, little lumpy boy, <laughs> you know, was like, oh, I'm going to go find him. Obviously, we know his true motivations, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's what the Wizarding World would think. Yeah. 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 And he may have like scurried over to some, you know, corner where nobody would see him and sent a Patronus message to Dumbledore or somebody saying, Sirius is at this location. Go get him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Or they tracked his motorbike. Who knows? There's a thousand things that could have happened. We don't know that that 24 hours. Yeah. You know? Well, do we know that he got the motorbike back? Because in one. um I think I read this recently in the first version of Sorcerer's Stone, Philosopher's Stone, whatever, that it says, or Hagrid says, I better go give Sirius's bike back. But then they took it out in a later version. Does that make sense? Maybe I I forget. It does make sense. Yes, because Sirius leaves it with Hagrid and is like, I don't need this anymore. So that was a boo-boo, I think. I was going to say Hagrid could still be trying to take it back. And then when he couldn't find him, he was like, well, I'll just hold on to it. And then, of course, everything happened. And so he was like, well, I'm really holding on to it now. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah right. In this conversation is when Hagrid says he told me he won't be needing it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think taking out that line was a boo-boo. We're just trying to clarify things because people, you know, they don't mm. do this. They don't talk about one line for three hours <laughs> and figure out what it could possibly mean. Most people. Ugh, what is wrong with people? Yeah. But I mean that it's we get a lot of information at the end of this chapter, which really yeah. informs our entire opinion on the rest of the book. Exactly. Which is funny. And actually like impacts a whole lot of things in the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, as we start building up kind of what happened to get to that night, you know, that Halloween, which right. is really interesting. Right. No, I agree. I mean, but that's it. That's a that's a long chapter. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Yeah, and there's a lot that it happens. We skipped through a lot. Through. Of yeah. yeah, I was surprised. Forty three yeah. minutes on the audiobook. It's a long chapter. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm still yeah. mad that we don't know anything about the missing twenty four hours, but that's just one of those things I will always be obsessed with. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Mathematical <laughs> error. Yep. So. Yeah. Bummer. And with that, 
Harry's in shock. And we leave them in the three broomsticks to sort things out. To not have a meltdown of he's their friend, you know, <laughs> running in the snow. Yes. Right. Running through a group of carolers, like, what the heck, Harry? And his seat underneath the table the whole time? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and they're behind the yeah, Christmas tree. I remember that. I love that. I figured Nobody once knows. they were behind the Christmas tree, he would have, like, sat back up, but... <laughs> But nobody notices that the Christmas tree moves. Yeah. <laughs> moves. That's kind of funny. Too much hustle and it's bustle. great. They're all too drunk to notice such things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's just the fumes <laughs> off of Hagrid, that's all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, no. All right. So next we'll go into this week's podcast question of the week. So in this chapter, we find out that while at the ruined Potter cottage, Sirius asked Hagrid if he could take Harry away with him. If Sirius had been given Harry, do you think he still would have gone after Peter? Why don't you head on over to the site and leave us your comments? I'm really excited to see what people have to say about this topic. I think that's a really interesting query. Mm -hmm. I feel like if Sirius had Harry... A lot of things would have changed. So yeah, this, uh, yeah. I look forward to hearing these, these comments. These are going to be good. As a side note, I said serious and Siri popped up on my phone and had that me and asked that question. <laughs> I have a male British voice on my phone, so I call him serious anyway. So there you go. Yeah. Mine's the Australian oh. one. And it was like, I don't have an answer to your question. And I was like, oh, sorry. I'll turn it off real quick. <laughs> Oh, whips. That's fantastic. <laughs> it is that time of the show as well where we must thank our guest who's like not really a guest <laughs> at this point. Uh, Katie, thank you for filling in for Miss Rosie today. You're quite thank welcome. Thank you very much. Hopefully she can be back soon. I know she was probably disappointed. Yeah, she, she has finally moved into her like permanent apartment and has a new job. So she will have like internet and weekends and yes. evenings available. So I promise Yay. listeners you'll get to hear a lot more British in the coming episodes, <laughs> we promise. Rosie promises. Yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> and our next topic will be on the LGBTQIA+. Awesome. And if you want to be on that show or on any of our upcoming shows, go ahead and go to our Be On The Show page at alohamore.mugglenet.com. You can also submit a topic if there's a topic you want to talk about that we haven't gotten to yet. So go suggest, give us ideas. <laughs> um, also give us chapters you want us to, uh, re, re, re. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Re, so, re, re. Re. <laughs> <laughs> so go suggest those so that we can give you what you want listeners. Um, if you have a basic set of headphones, you are all set. No fancy equipment needed. You just need a little microphone and some headphones and you are all good to go. And in the meantime, you can keep in contact with us over on Twitter at AlohomoraMN, Facebook.com slash Open the Dumbledore. Of course, our website is alohomora.mugglenet.com. And we love getting emails from you guys, so feel free to email us anytime, alohomorapodcast at gmail.com. And one more reminder to go out and check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash alohomora. And thank you again, Courtney, for sponsoring this episode. Don't whoop forget, whoop. you could be like Courtney and sponsor for as low as a dollar a month. Yeah. Woo. Thanks, Courtney. You the best. And with that, we must say our goodbyes. I'm Kristen Keys. I'm Kat Miller. And I'm Allison Sigurd. Thank you for listening to episode 225 of Alohomora. 
I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Open the Dumbledore. and Sigurd. Thank you for listening to episode 225 of Mora. Oh, crap. I had something good for this yesterday. <laughs> what was I going to do? Oh, crap. Open the Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I, I thought that's what you were about to lead into, and I was like, dang. Open the crappy Dumbledore. <laughs> Shall we follow Harry into the one-eyed... Okay, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that one-eye, yeah. No. <laughs> Let's follow Harry into the passageway. No, and through the hump. Say through the hump. <laughs> follow Harry through the hump. I can't do it. Uh, follow. <laughs> okay. I'm it's not sorry. Thirty in the morning. I'm not thinking. <laughs> That's why she put it there. <laughs> That's the only reason I connected it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, 